Okay, sorry again. Guys, welcome to the debrief. David, debrief time. What did you think? Another Vitalik episode. That was our fourth under the belt. And that one felt very relaxed, very comfortable, very fun, but also as usual, like super, super groundbreaking. I mean, I've never mm -hmm. heard uh, content like this come out on any podcast period, crypto or otherwise. Actually, this topic of legitimacy, how it is the basis for everything. All of our institutions, mm -hmm. all of our social interactions mm -hmm. is also such a deep, uh, anyway, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think yeah. of this? I, I really recently did a, a POV crypto podcast with, with, uh, my, my co-hosts on, on the, the, on that podcast with Christian. And we talked about how crypto, this, this industry, he'll call it the Bitcoin industry and I'll call it the, the crypto industry. <laughs> no. it, it offers a unique vantage point where almost everything in the outside world I feel like crypto people have a, uh, a the right perception on. And it's because crypto offers a unique vantage point for seeing the rest of the world. And mm. crypto and, and being informed about crypto really gets you informed about a lot of other things like global macro politics, China, China, Russia, United States, like relations, like that's relevant to crypto. Uh, COVID-19, crypto Twitter was really tapped into COVID really early. Uh, and it, there seems to be a lot of things that using the lens of crypto allows you to see that most other people don't see because they don't come from a crypto vantage point. And I think this, this episode here with Vitalik, who is like, in my mind, like the guru on top of the mountain who can see further than anyone, he's seeing this legitimacy force and he's seeing how it has such an influential force in crypto and crypto most of all, but also has an influencing force with almost everything we do. And, and as we said, it's social contracts all the way down, it's legitimacy all the way down. Uh, and I think that's, that's why some of these uh, uh, podcast episodes we do with Vitalik, I think are so valuable to me is not only does it help me evaluate this crypto space even better, but it just helps me evaluate my life better. Like, why do I drive on the right, side, right hand side of the road? I used to just say, well, that's because everyone else does it. But now I have a much more attuned answer to why I do though, these things. It's funny though, because that first answer is not actually wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's not wrong, but like you but can- But now you understand more deeply. Deeper, more yeah. deeply about the way that this world ticks. You can think about the mechanism in and of itself, right? Mm -hmm. in, at a deeper level. That That's what crypto has really unlocked for me too, David. Like, it's almost like what you're saying is we're thinking more deeply about the way- human coordination works, like the, the, the bottom layer of our society and our institutions. And I think this episode's going to be helpful for people because most people don't understand what legitimacy is. And I didn't before, like, I didn't understand that it was a force that was beneath everything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't before I got into crypto, something you sort of learned, but like, you can hear this in real life, when um, you talk about crypto, you know, being money, they say, no, it's not money. Dollars are money. This thing is money. Euros are money. Yen is, is money. And, and then you kind of like crypto can't be money. It's, it's just a, it's just a meme. It's just an internet thing. And then, and then you start to retort and you say, well, what is money in the first place? Right. And like, people are per perplexed by that question. What is money? Because they've never thought about it. You know, Ben Hunt, when he was on the podcast, uh, he talked about like, being so immersed in something, you actually can't see what's around you. It's like we're fish in the water mm -hmm. and it's our, our world. We don't understand what it would be like to go outside of that world. It's sort of the water in which we swim. And so even though legitimacy is underneath everything, it's like 
it's so closely hidden. We take it for granted. We just grow up with it. We don't question things like money. It just is. And so we're not used to doing that. But I, I do think that people understand legitimacy at like maybe the, the higher level, like the app layer, right? So, mm. I mean, you know, um, the term poser, the term LARPer, mm -hmm. the, these are terms to describe someone who is not authentic, does not right. have legitimacy. And we celebrate authenticity in like indie arts, you mm -hmm. know, leaders who are more authentic, more legit, you know, somebody, somebody's legit, somebody's not legit. So we understand legitimacy. We just don't understand that our institutions are based on legitimacy mm -hmm. as well. And that always co goes back to the power of naming something. When we can bestow a name upon something, we can talk about it in a more clear and articulate way. And I think that's kind of my own personal like action item and takeaway that I think I'm going to, to do when I just live my life, right? Um, we, we went through the various theories of legitimacy that Vitalik had, right? Legitimacy by brute force, legitimacy by continuity, by fairness, process, performance, participation, all these sources of legitimacy. And I think when I go about my life moving forward, I'm going to look for things that I do or things that I see other people doing. And I'm going to try and name them. It's like, oh, the reason why they just did that is because of legitimacy by process. Or the reason why this thing works is because of legitimacy by con continuity. That's the invisible hand that is guiding people and making them do the things that they're doing. And just being able to articulate and name something, I think is just really a, a powerful feature for people to do. Because again, it just helps you map out the world around you. And it'll help, help you map out the crypto space as well. It definitely helps you understand the crypto space because I feel like um, these questions aren't hidden anywhere by hundred-year-old institutions. They're like right in your face, mm -hmm. right? Like you have to answer the question in order to make a good investment decision on is this particular asset legitimate or not? Mm -hmm. Like it's cri cryptocurrency from an investment perspective is even just a, a social coordination game, right? Mm -hmm. Like you want to buy the store of value asset that everyone else is going to think is the store of value asset in the future. And you want to predict that in advance so that you can front run that opportunity, right? So it's, it's helpful in your everyday life, but it's almost like vital to survive in crypto because you could mm -hmm. make some really bad decisions if you invest in uh, things that aren't legitimate. Uh, do you remember the... Um, a podcast that we had recently where like the theme was the uh, venture capitalists, um, you know, talked about basically we invest in authenticity, mm -hmm. authentic communities. Mm -hmm. uh, do you remember that podcast with Nick and yep. mm -hmm. um, uh, who is it? Richard, Richard Chen. Nick and Richard Chen. Yeah, absolutely. From one, from one, one confirmation. confirmation. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe authenticity is a similar word. Um, mm -hmm. Trust is also mm -hmm. Right. A, a similar word for all of these, like we are building trust-based systems. So it's uh, absolutely vital to survive in crypto to understand legitimacy. Yeah, and I, I think that it really distills down why crypto is inherently good, like capital G, good for the world, is because it allows legitimacy to rise to the top more easily. Uh, we asked the Vitalik the question, like, is legitimacy inherently this bottom-up phenomenon? And in the cases where legitimacy isn't a bottom-up phenomenon, it still is underpinned by the people because no one can make le something legitimate other than collective consciousness, right? And so legitimacy is always a powerful force that is the tailwinds behind group collective decision-making. And legitimacy comes from 
a shelling point where each the individual understands that the outcome is good for the individual and for everyone else. And so legitimacy mm -hmm. as a force is inherently good. And when crypto is something that, like you just said, legitimacy is in your face, there's a shorter gap between the outcomes in crypto and the legitimacy bestowed by people. Whereas in legacy web two institutions, legacy institutions, there's the legitimacy by the people and then there's the legitimate outcome. And then there's a bunch of just like friction in the middle, legacy institutions, entrenched institutions that are getting in the way of things that the people want to become legitimate to actually rise in power. And I think that's really the big revolution behind crypto is that legitimacy is easier and more adept to rise to the top and actually have the force of legit legitimacy behind it. Do you think, David, we can use legitimacy, these forces of legitimacy that Vitalik again named, back to naming, as forces for change that we want to see in the world and mm -hmm. forces for um, the, I guess, the expressions of what we want to see happen in crypto. Like I, I, I've often said it would be, it would be a complete waste of the crypto movement if all we did here was replace the existing financial system with a new set of bankers, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I see elements of that when we get traction uh, or perceived traction of all of these users on something like Binance Chain, because that is completely mm -hmm. controlled by the next generation of crypto banks, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's controlled by Binance right now. And I get disheartened at times with that. And mm -hmm. so I use legitimacy forces of legitimacy through through bankless right as kind of like a and and you do the same it's like well no we should look at the fairness of this system we should look at the continuity of the system can every does everyone have equal access to participate mm -hmm. as a validator all of these things uh, we spread the message but but the counter to that is no something like binance chain is working um and you can tell that it's working and that people prefer it as legitimacy by performance. Like, look, mm -hmm. it's doing so well in market cap. Look, it's so, doing so well in XYZ metric. So that legitimizes it. Yeah, Have you had any thoughts about how we can use legitimacy to push for the, the change that we want? Uh, one other example is in, in the chat box when we were going through with Vitalik, you know, I mentioned that EIP that I put mm -hmm. forward. Right. Um, which was like challenging the notion of putting a block reward into Ethereum. And I'm really glad I did that. Like I did that to, <laughs> to raise this issue, but you were like, oh, you're a barrier. Uh, you're a, what'd you call it? A barrier a, troop. Barrier yeah, troop. barrier troop. Right. So it's like, I was almost being the religious the sort of gatekeeper here, mm -hmm. pushing the consensus of the community. Um, in a way that's interesting. I, I don't know that I, that I realized that, but the reason I was doing it is because um, I wanted to enforce the legitimacy of Ethereum's, you know, issuance policy, monetary policy at the time. Um, anyway, any do you have any thoughts on how we can actually right. use legitimacy to push the changes that we want in in the direction that like we believe in? Yeah, a follow up question I have to Vitalik, and maybe we'll ask this next time we get a chance to, to talk to him, is that perhaps there are different grades of legitimacy. Uh, perhaps some forms of legitimacy are more legitimate than others. Um, and there are more direct ways to tap into the power of legitimacy than others and different 
sources of legitimacy can rise above others. Uh, and so perhaps the legitimacy of continuation and legitimacy of performance that is bestowed upon Binance Smart Chain is actually superseded by some other alternative forms of legitimacy that I would hope Ethereum has, which is perhaps legitimacy by fairness uh, and legitimacy by participation. Maybe those types of legitimacy uh, are better than alternative types of legitimacy. And I think that when there's a more direct connection between people and legitimacy, that is perhaps the way that good legitimacy overcomes bad legitimacy. Um, that, that, that's definitely uh, something to worry, that, I, that I would like to explore for sure. Do you, how do you think the concept of legitimacy fits with um, the protocol sync thesis? Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Probably something, the, the protocol sync thesis is just the, the, the uh, gift that keeps on giving because when we were, <laughs> uh, a slight side quest here is that like when we were talking to Justin Drake about uh, uh, ether as bunny and we have hot, hot ether and cold ether, cold ether to me is, and freezing ether is ether very deep in the, in the protocol sink, right? Like near zero Kelvin level. And that's, that's what like a black hole is like all the coldness at the bottom. And I would also think that like legitimacy is also at the bottom of the protocol sink. Like the way that you find your way down to the bottom of the protocol sink is legitimacy. And the best forms of legitimacy are at the bottom of the protocol sink. Yeah, I, I do think it's deeply connected with the idea of the protocol sync thesis, right? And we've used the term uh, credible neutrality, which is related, mm -hmm. but I think um, credible neutrality feels like it's almost a subset of legitimacy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why it's, I, our, Vitalik wrote a, a fantastic article on credible neutrality before, but I, I almost feel like the concept of legitimacy is even bigger and deeper than that. And fairness or credible neutrality is is just only one one portion of that. What were your thoughts on, so we asked Vitalik, I don't think anyone's asked him this yet, but we asked Vitalik his thoughts on ultrasound money, like the meme. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what were your thoughts on his reaction to that? Well, I think we did a pretty good job of framing that whole ultrasound money uh, conversation inside of a conversation around legitimacy. Uh, and his, his answer to is Ether money, his answer has always been like, well, if the community makes Ether it believes Ether to be money and wants Ether to be money, then Ether is legitimately money. And I think we could probably extrapolate the same thing. Like ultrasound money is a meme, but it's backed up by real fundamentals. And so once those fundamentals are actually live, really like if the community wants Ether to be ultrasound money, it's really up to them. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the Ethereum community wants Ether to be ultrasound money. I'm well, pretty sure know, that's true. Do you know the shift I noticed is it, it was it was a lot less if the community wants Ethereum to be ultrasound money, and it was a lot more given that it looks like the community wants like mm -hmm. it, Ether to be ultrasound money. Mm -hmm. um, it was almost a we've already seen that the community wants this. It was you know implied, not a hypothetical. Mm -hmm. It's like this right. is happening right now. And then the question that you asked was like. Well, if the Ethereum community is making it happen right now, when will the rest of the world notice? Right. So mm -hmm. when will it become a store of value uh, asset in the way that that Bitcoin is framed as a store of value asset? And that's already happening. But mm -hmm. like, what do you think of his answer to that? Right. Yeah. So I think the Ethereum community is really energetic and ready to rally behind Ether as ultrasound money. And it is speculation that Ether will become ultrasound money, right? And the believers, the, the people that believe this to be true ahead of it actually being true are the people that will be rewarded when, if and when 
front runners, they're front running legitimacy. Uh, and so, <laughs> so people see all of this legitimacy coming towards ether and people like us are saying, well, that, that legitimacy is here today. Like EIP one five five nine, that's We're coming living in, in a like, post world, right? The the merge that's totally coming, and so all yeah. that future legitimacy that's actually already here. And Bring if you believe forth. that that's already true, like you can access the future legitimacy of Ether and access that today. And then when Ether is legitimate to the rest of the world, it's going to be a higher price. And this is something that you said about Bitcoiners, where like after Bitcoiners are probably going to call Ether legitimate after EIP one five five nine, after proof of stake. And then after 20 years, right? That's when Bitcoiners will say that Ether is legitimate. Is legitimate. What do you think? It's not a good time price? to buy. It's not a good time to buy. It's too late to buy. You don't want to buy post-legitimacy. You want to buy pre-legitimacy. But that's why. That's what many crypto skeptics, people who are skeptical of Bitcoin, say about mm -hmm. Bitcoin. Right. It's like it can't possibly money be money. It can't possibly mm -hmm. be a store right. of value asset can't possibly be a world reserve asset until it's X trillion dollars. Right. I'm like, when it's X trillion dollars, like right, you're gonna the buy buying it opportunity is gone. Yeah, buy what my bags, you, bro. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, it's yeah. a similar, it, I think it's a very similar. Um, yeah, so what, what he was saying is um, that it will become real and it needs to become real first mm -hmm. for it to establish itself as a store right. of value. And reminded by our just recent Justin Drake, trilogy podcast like that's happening soon so we're mm -hmm. talking you know what ha four months away from EIP 2021 by it's the optimistic case for that's for the, the merge complete, for both. the completion of ultrasound money which is both. right and then it's then it's after that it's complete it's then it's just it's kind of a waiting game right legitimacy just, by continuity yep and for the narrative to spread and then it's it's in place um I often think the criticism I found most salient to cr criticize uh, Ethereum in 2019 and 2020 um, was not actually scalability. It was actually the criticism of Ethereum does not have a good issuance policy, does not have mm -hmm. a good defined right. monetary policy, right? And I think that that has been Ethereum's weakness, to be honest. It's not product market fit. Like DeFi mm -hmm. is taking off. Um, right. I, it's not scalability. I feel like change chasing scalability are just, um, transaction throughput right. scalability right. are just chasing short term future, games. future side chains. Yeah. I feel like Ethereum's layer two game is going to, um, do quite well, uh, against that. But I do think that they had a point with the, the critique that Ethereum did not have a good monetary policy, a defined issuance policy. Right. And I think again, people at that time who were buying, uh, ether at $100, you know, $200 who who saw the future and were like, well, Ethereum's monetary policy is minimum necessary issuance and the community is going to enforce that. And then critics would say, well, show me the code. Like right. show me the the where it actually says this, show me the math of where issuance policy is defined and then the only response is like we can't yet. We right. can't show it to you. You have to believe. You have to believe. And that's why you could get Ether at $100, right. $200 during that time. You had to really believe that this was now it's now it's happening, mm -hmm. right? More After people are believing. Implemented. Yep. And, and now we actually see the code like being written mm -hmm. in testnet and we have dates for many of these mm -hmm. things. So the next chapter is that it actually happens and then you recruit more believers and then it's just continuity. So mm -hmm. 
I don't know. If you've been uh, listening to the Into the Ether podcast lately, uh, it, it, it's so awesome because it's half of these podcasts these days are just Eric and Anthony just doing victory laps. It's <laughs> 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 like, yeah, this is what we were talking about two years ago. Like, it's exactly how it happened. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, good, good for them for, for taking some victory laps. The other yeah. thing, uh, uh, you want to comment on that before I, because I, I have a different subject. I want Just to bring my up. only word is vindication. I yeah. totally identify with, with, with fe that feeling too. So yeah. in, in Vitalik's uh, article, he, we, he, we go through the theories of legitimacy and I think it's kind of cool to put each one of these theories in a, in, in an Ethereum context, because I think every single one could be uh, illustrated as uh, perhaps one of the, one of many reasons why Ethereum is legitimate, right? And so starting with, we'll just going from top down in no particular order, we'll, we'll start with legitimacy by, legitimacy by brute force. I kind of think that's like Ethereum's network effects. Like you don't have to use Ethereum, but you kind of have to use Ethereum because that's what everyone else is, is using. And it, it's, <laughs> that's, it's, it's not- That's an re interesting redefinition, not violence. It's not violence because Ethereum isn't violent It's still opt in the way I have to opt into Facebook because yes, everyone else is on Facebook. Exactly. And so you are forced to use Ethereum because that's what everyone else uses Ethereum for. That's interesting. Right. The other, the next one is legit legitimacy by continuity. If something is legitimate at time T, it's by default legitimate at time T plus one. We're working on that. Perhaps, perhaps that's Ethereum's weakest source of legitimacy, but it's something that's growing every single day and will grow even faster after some of these major changes. And I will say a couple of things on continuity, a couple of mm -hmm. like, you know, one is it has continuity in its issuance reductions so, right. from mm -hmm. inception, right? So it's yeah. always gone down, not yep. up. Um, mm -hmm. It also has some continuity in like rejecting issuance increases and rejecting mm -hmm. parity restorations and that sort of thing. So there is some precedent being mm -hmm. built, built there Con as part of the continuity. Hazu would say this as uh, Ethereum, the social contract has always protected Ether holders. Ether holders have never been violated by a change to Ethereum. And so perhaps in that case, Ethereum actually has perfect uh, legitimacy by continuity ever since its, in, in its inception. Except maybe um, the DAO, which was interesting when we talked about. But I think that still protected Ether holders uh, because it protected the many Ether holders who all lost their Ether in favor uh, in against this one person who was the new Ether holder. And so it protected the many Ether holders over this one single Ether holder who used an exploit. I think that's fair. That's interesting. The ne next one is legitimacy by fairness. And I think Ethereum, most of all, has been... Uh, committed to fairness is one of its core ethos, right? Uh, if something can become legitimate because it satisfies an intuitive notion of fairness. Uh, Ethereum has always opted for maximum inclusivity, both in making a transaction on the base layer and uh, consensus. Uh, and so I consider that to be fair along with the say, initial Ether me, distribution. Well, on that initial distribution, some would say that that wasn't... Um... So there was a pre-mine, right? There was, of mm -hmm. course, kind of this uh, pre-sale, pre mm -hmm. which was completely open to anybody. You could just send your Bitcoin in, get Ether mm -hmm. in exchange. Good, nice trade at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But there was some pre-issuance. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that impacts the fairness? So you know, Bitcoiners would say proof of work from the very beginning. Yeah, Satoshi and, and others mm -hmm. had access earlier, but still it was the same rule set. Right. And so they'll say that, like, they'll make the claim that even the fact that one ether went to Vitalik Buterin or one ether went to Joseph Lubin violates the, this concept of, of, of fairness. Right. 
but I disagree. And, and, and people can determine what is fair for themselves and what's not like does Vitalik, is it fair that Vitalik has the distribution of ether that he has? And I think many people have decided that yes, yes, it is fair. And same thing with Joseph Lubin, the, the biggest bag holder of ether. What did Joseph Lubin do with that ether? He tried to build out Ethereum. He tried to bestow more value upon the ether holders, not detract away from it. And same thing with Vitalik. Vitalik never dumped on people. He only grit his teeth and built Ethereum day in, day out, no matter what. And so Bitcoiners, I think, have this undue version it's kind of, of a what zero, is fairness. It's a zero to one for them again. It's like binary, mm -hmm. right? There's not degrees right. of fairness. It's just like, mm -hmm. even if one ETH was distributed, they would, there would be a problem with that. Totally. The next uh, source of legitimacy is legitimacy by process. And I think that's basically the EIP process, which I think is extremely fair. Only, only good EIPs have gone through, in my opinion, uh, only legitimate ones. Uh, and the EIP process is generally a legitimacy testing process, I would say. And it has been successful, in my opinion. Yeah, it's the it's the Bitcoin model too, which also mm -hmm. has the same process. And I, mm -hmm. I like it much better for a base layer than we talked about this before, token governance, which essentially mm -hmm. hands that decision over to plutocrats. The ability of the process to pass through uh, rough consensus and then also like the ability to fork if you don't like it mm -hmm. is a pretty nice process. Um, I think that's a really cool innovation that, that eCrypto has brought to the world. The next one is uh, legitimacy by performance. If the outputs of a process lead to results that satisfy people, then that process can gain legitimacy. Uh, I think we can just talk about this very simply. No one is in the red with holding Ether the asset. Ether the asset's performance has made everyone profitable so long as they didn't sell. Uh, and so per, in that performance, that has done very well. Also the app layer, DeFi tokens and NFTs, has made a lot of people very wealthy. And so that performance, I think, bestows legitimacy. People like things that make them wealthy. And Ethereum is making a lot of people very wealthy across the board. It's so also bestowed legitimacy upon it. I also feel like um, legitimacy by performance is more evident this cycle than it was last, right? Mm -hmm. So like last cycle, 2017, you know, Vitalik famously kind of <laughs> called the top and he was like, yeah, we're X billion Mm -hmm. in a uh, total market cap, but have 1. we 1.5 trillion, 1.5 trillion. Was, was it the at the time? Was, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like more past that now. Uh, funny. Mm -hmm. um, and his question was, have we earned it? And I think the answer to that question was no, not really. Absolutely there were a lot of not. like ICOs, utility, like mm -hmm. it, it, those things had to go to zero. Those things had mm -hmm. to die away. This time, yeah, they were, this time it's different. Like there's not, it's not just wealth creation. It's like, dude, we can go on Uniswap and trade mm -hmm. any asset in the world. Mm -hmm. There's 36,000 of them mm -hmm. without a bank account. Like, mm -hmm. and, and find liquidity for mm -hmm. everything from something as big as ETH to the long tail of a token that you or I create. POV right? crypto token. <laughs> <laughs> it's still on there. It's still, you can buy yeah, some. Actually, actually, no, there's no liquidity for that. Okay. I pulled that. <laughs> so like, yeah, performance mm -hmm. is uh, definitely there this cycle too. And then the last one, legitimacy by participation, like Ethereum's ethos has been, can an individual make a transaction at the base layer and can an individual participate in consensus? And both of those I think are under construction. The, the, the base layer is pretty, pretty expensive. And for most things, perhaps prohibitively expensive. That's where L2s come in. L2s count as a user being able to touch the base layer because they get the uh, security guarantees extended to the L2. 
And then the other one uh, is being able to participate in consensus after the merge. And that's always why I'm something I'm always super bullish on rocket pool is that the nature of proof of stake is trying to uh, allow for more participation and allowed for more people to be a part of the consensus process, which is bestowing more legitimacy by participation. And so that, that was all the theories of legitimacy. And I think e Ethereum is prog progressing on every single vector of legitimacy. Yeah. In some ways it's in, in many ways it's improving, right? That like the important thing about legitimacy, I think that I, was my, one of my takeaways from this is uh, you're not going to get perfect scores across mm -hmm. all of them. So legitimacy by participation before, like, pre-rocket pool, you have to have 32 ETH in order right. to run a node. Like it's not perfect. Ideally, that would be just a fraction of an ETH. There's mm -hmm. lots of reasons why you can't do that, but it's it's more open to participation than proof of work right now. Mm -hmm. Like David, if mm -hmm. you want to validate in the Ethereum uh, blockchain or Bitcoin, you mm -hmm. have no shot, my friend. You have some like, shot at Ethereum. You have no shot at Bitcoin. Not unless you are ready to commit multi millions of dollars of economies data of scale. center, capital, cheap energy right. source. You need all of these things at your disposal. Supply chain, ASIC supply chains, which are, are relatively permissioned. You can run a validator out of your apartment, right? Like mm -hmm. stick it somewhere. Maybe there's a validator right. back there behind the plants. We don't know. We don't even know. It's a, it's a Bitcoin miner, or there's a GPU miner. Oh, there's literally. Oh my God, I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> There's literally a validator behind you. Well, it's a GPU miner though. Yeah, GPU miner. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like that it's increasing in participation. So I guess the point is um, there'll be sticklers to say, well, it's not fair because of X, Y, Z, or it's, you know, not participatory or open to everyone because of mm -hmm. X, Y, Z. But like the question is, is it better than the previous system regime institution? Mm -hmm. I think the answer to that is yes for a lot of these dimensions. Maybe that's why it's becoming more legit. And in stark contrast, like uh, legitimacy by participation of the U.S. dollar, governance of the U.S. dollar is like twelve white dudes in clo behind closed doors. Like <laughs> yeah, there, that's you, what we're no competing against. <laughs> and, and there's largely the reason why the dollar is legitimate is largely because of brute force. Like the military brute forces legitimacy of the dollar upon the people. Like it also has legitimacy by continuity. But after that, not much, very low marks on other sources of legitimacy, which is why I think the dollar is actually going to be easier to append than most people think. Interesting. Rowan Gray would disagree with you, sir. He, he, would, he would say that the dollar is actually governed by the de democratic process. It's governed by the people. And that's why, by the way, we should have MMT and enforce issuance through um, fiscal policy, through Congress, my friend. Sure. Sure, Rohan. Another take on it. Another sure. take on it. Um, Rohan, your dollar's illegitimate. Our ether's <laughs> legitimate. Yeah. This is so much to this to unpack. Great episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed it, guys. David, anything else before you sign off on the debrief? Nope. Legitimacy right. is powerful. Legitimacy is all the way down. Oh, and uh, Bankless is Vitalik's favorite podcast about it. <laughs> That's what he said. Listen to it again, guys. It's on the record. <laughs> Bye. All right. Goodbye, everyone.